you still don't win the million dollars. What? Yeah, that was like the $32,000 question. The million dollar question is what we're talking about today. Aliens? <laughs> it's probably a better answer than, yeah, because it's really unclear. But yeah, before we get to that, I want to talk about a couple things that happened in the news. Okay. Okay. Uh, first is something you sent me, just a quick update for everybody out there. The Tetris movie. Oh, yeah. I forgot yeah. I sent that to you. Yeah. Do you want to take this? Um, so if I remember this correctly, and stop me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. First off, they're making a Tetris movie. I had forgotten that or blinked it out of my mind for probably good reasons. Mm-hmm. But they are. They're making but they're it. making a Tetris movie. No idea of the plot. But they said the story that they want to tell is very large. Bigger than one movie. Bigger than two movies. A trilogy of Tetris. That's about the whole story. Don't know how the fuck they can do that, but... I mean, it's not like a Tetris story about the creation and, like, you know, what came after the creation of Tetris and, like, whoever was holding their rights in, like, Russia or something. No, it's not. It's some battleship-esque movie about Tetris, it sounds like. Yeah. It's a pretty good summary. <laughs> the article doesn't have really that much to say other than the this guy, Larry Kasanoff, is the producer of the movie. He says that um, they're they're making three Tetris movies and no one has come remotely close to figuring out what we're doing. Uh, the only thing that they can confirm is that it's... Uh, he wants to shoot it in China and incorporate local stars, which I'm sure is something that will come up in our film discussion today. <laughs> it seems like all big summer Hollywood blockbusters have come up with that lately, but we will talk about that later. The second thing I wanted to talk about, and final thing, is that Tesla is in the business of killing people now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They are. Yep. So I'll put this in the podcast notes for anybody who hadn't somehow missed this on the news of the the regular news. Tesla has their autopilot system in their cars. It supposedly lets the car kind of handle its own it's shit on the highway. It's drive, Clark. It's not an autopilot. They call it autopilot, though. No, they call it like driving assist. No, they call it autopilot. They probably call that when they're just talking about it casually, but in the company documents, I'm sure it's, you know. Nope, it's autopilot, capital A. Yeah, they, they, they yeah. branded it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, they yeah, say you so, still should so be fucking fuck awake, which so people... Fuck you, Mr. Fact Check. Whatever. You just got Sean Hannity on your oh, own show. That's It's not my fucking show. My, my head's getting really big now, and I'm going to be a really angry Irishman and puke whiskey on you. Was he the one that... No, that was Crossfire. Crossfire. I was thinking you may have had like a bow tie on that you... Oh, Tucker Carlson? Yeah. Yeah, that cunt. Oh, yeah. whoops. <laughs> Wait, are we not allowed to say that on here? Oh, no, we are. But he's just, you know, why Why do you acknowledge Lord Voldemort when it's easy just to pretend he never existed? I, I thought it was like he who must not be named or something. Yeah, whatever. He of the bow tie. The small man with the bow tie. Yes, he was on Crossfire. Okay. Anyway, it is called Autopilot. And yeah. people, re- you know, there's the, that YouTube video of the guys who are like, we just put like the, the dash cam video, like, we just put autopilot on, and we're going to cover ourselves in blankets and take a nap for our three-hour drive across the desert. Well, no, I actually um, saw some uh, YouTube video. It wasn't like, you know, all set up like that. It was some guy in a car next to another person, like in, you know, traffic, 
somewhere in California. And they were literally, they had the seat back and they were like, had their eyes closed and whatnot, just like laying there in traffic. It's like, really? Like, I, I get the car does, you know, 98% of the shit it should be doing for you, but I don't know, handing it completely over without at least, you know, having hands on the wheel or something is a little freaky and... Yeah, here's here's what it says on their website. They have a big marquee section that says autopilot. Okay, well, I was uh, wrong. No, I mean, to inform our discussion, it's it says autopilot allows Model S to steer within a lane, change lanes with a simple tap of a turn signal, and manage speed by using active traffic-aware cruise control. Uh, digital control of motors, brakes, and steering helps avoid collisions from the front and side and prevents the car from wandering off the road. Autopilot also enables your car to scan for a parking space and parallel park on command. And they go on from there, but they have a section under it where it says automatic steering with traffic aware cruise control. And they demonstrate how the car is able to make do auto steering on the highway and do a lane change or do an auto park all by sensing what's around it. Ooh. So I'm looking for the disclaimers at the bottom of the site, and I'm not seeing any. So they, they really branded the hell out of uh, Autopilot. Yeah. But apparently this guy was being a huge idiot, too, as you guys were saying. Yeah, I mean... I mean he was, like, fucking watching a Harry Potter movie, apparently. Yeah, they the found car. a DVD player, like a portable DVD player in the car. But, um... And apparently, for those who didn't read about it, the way it happened was it was like a two-lane highway he was in the left lane and there was like a tractor trailer making a left turn across the other highway and like it was a white tractor trailer against a white sky and for some reason the car didn't pick it up so the car ended up actually going underneath the tractor trailer and like shearing off the roof and probably the guy's head fast and furious style i don't think it ended that way with what's his face I'm thinking it's more like the surfboard death from Lethal Weapon. No, no, too. no. The Fast and Furious where they're always driving the cars underneath the tractor trailers. Yeah, I was trying to remember that one dude who died that was in the Fast and the Furious movies. Paul Walker. Paul Walker. I don't think it was like Paul Walker's style. Uh, no. Because they Walker. didn't actually crash in Fast and the Furious underneath. Oh, Paul it. Walker was trying to do the... He was trying to film his own jackass fan segment. <laughs> I'm Ryan Dunn, and this is Porsche at 120 miles an hour in rural Pennsylvania. Anyway... But, I mean, the good thing, if you can find any silver lining from this, is the fact that Tesla has boatloads of information about what was happening in the car at the time, as far as, like, what the sensors were seeing, what actually happened on the road, and all that. So they can take what they've happened in this crash, tragedy it may be, but put that in every other car with autopilot now. Whereas, like... You know, if I was driving down the road and I made the same mistake, you know, Subaru's not going to make any changes to their cars because, you know, I crashed. So they're, like, improving the collective intelligence of every Tesla on the road with this accident, which but is it, a good thing, I think. In your case, you wouldn't have been watching a Harry Potter movie yeah. with your hands down on the wheel. While well, I could be, trying. you know, texting. I could be distracted. I could be, like, getting a call, like, changing the radio, like, all this bullshit. Like, Okay, that that is true. Like, as far as distractions go... You're right that people do things without the autopilot that are yeah, fucking and if, egregious on the road anyway. So. so yeah, if autopilot can become smarter from this crash, that is the silver lining from this. And How many more people have to die, Justin? The other stat I read about this, Think okay? Think of the children. They said, 
autopilot has done 130 million miles or something like that. And average crashes happen in the U.S. about every 110 or something like that. Or uh, Basically, they're above the average for the amount of like miles driven per crash or like normal miles per crash in the U.S. Yep. So they're doing better than the average. That's something to say. Especially when it's, you know, a robot driving. I think the, AI, the whatever general, you want to call it. The general outlook, though, right now on the driverless cars is that in simple situations, they outperform human drivers, but you throw any kind of variable into the mix that could potentially confuse, or multiple variables, then they actually don't perform as well as a human and can get into serious crashes. I mean, that's what the Google cars have been experiencing that. You most know, of the, the roads that they've got mapped and everything, which are most yeah. of them, they perform well when everything's going according to plan. As soon as some things start to happen on the road that happen every day, like people run red lights or something like that, or there's like a lane change and like a different lighting condition, mm-hmm. the cars start to screw up. But I mean, that could happen to, you know, me as well. I could be, you know, oh, light turned green and I get T-boned by some, you know, mom with a bunch of screaming bulbs in the back because she didn't a weird see the light. Because then you cause an accident and you do that. Somebody's responsible. Like, what happens if you're not driving the car and the car fucks up? Like, who exactly is responsible? The person who owns the car, which would be you, or is it the company that is providing the autonomous driving experience? Honestly, I think, I mean, in this point of time, like, where we have much fewer uh, autopilot-type driverless cars on the road than actual people... If you were to get, you know, a Tesla or a Google car or whatever type of car you're, we want to talk about, that you as an owner have to take that liability of the company onto you is, I think, what is probably going to be the outcome of this. All right. So if I'm on the road in my Tesla and it fucks up and kills three people or whatever, what it's supposed to be autopiloting, then I'm liable, not Tesla. Well, I mean, you would still have insurance and it would be the same way of, you know, if you were to, you know, fall asleep at the wheel or, you know, texting and driving type thing and you, you know, kill three people, your insurance would be covering that, presumably. Yeah, but I'd also go to jail for manslaughter. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to go to jail. Like the equivalent situation, though, is that like I run into a bunch of people and kill them in my car, so that's my bad because I ran the red light. But maybe Ford didn't put, you know, their brakes were defective, so when I tried to stop the car, it didn't do as well. Ford has liability there, too. Mm -hmm. So I think as soon as autopilot actually kills somebody else and not just the guy who's driving the car... You can sue, obviously, that guy, and you can sue his insurance company, but then you can sue Tesla, and you can bring them both in. And then Tesla and the other guy are going to have to have a separate lawsuit about indemnity to see, like, Tesla gets, you know, whacked with $100 million for somebody, then they got to sue the guy who crashed the car to take the money away from him to get their loss back. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as... Well, look, (laughs) from my perspective, actually, I mean, I like driving my car. I have fun driving and I like being in control, but I think that when the roads are completely autonomous, it will be a great day because they will be safer. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just, like, the numbers don't lie. They will be safer, but this is a technology that, for people to accept it, it has to be, like, 100%. Yeah, perfect. that's that's it the problem. That's the problem right now, that yeah. we have this situation where the majority of cars still are, you know, operated by people, and people 
are unpredictable at times. And once we get all autonomous cars that could possibly communicate with each other on the road, that is when we get, you know, right. But much my, better traffic conditions and much safer roads. I think a realistic look on, on this would be that you're never going to have 100% driverless roads. I mean, there's honestly, always going to be people driving cars, you know, even if it's a minority of people. So, like, my perspective is that the technology has to be good enough that it can anticipate intelligently all the stupid shit that gets thrown its way when people are on the road with it or when, you know, aberrant conditions come up on the road that it's not used to dealing with. And I think the technology, it seems like from everything we see in the news that it's like maybe 85% of the way there, I think it, it has to be at a hundred percent for people to accept it. Cause otherwise there's always going to be a question in the consumer's mind. Oh, you know, am I going to be the victim of like this thing screwing up? Yeah. So like you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that, Hey, if you take your hands off the wheel and give us control, you're not going to die. Like you, it has to be as safe as air travel. I mean, you know? yeah, there is that, but I mean, I understand the point of, oh, I enjoy driving, but there's also times where I don't enjoy driving. You know, I have to go you know, to work in the morning and come back. It's like, that is a very, like, it never changes. Like, it is the same conditions all the time. So, it's like, that is the type of shit I would say, okay, you know, Tesla, take the wheel. Because, you know, I'm just, you know, going on, you know, back roads, I'm not going on the highway. It's a pretty simple drive. And that's the type of situation I would be like, okay, whatever. But, you know, if I'm driving up to my mom's, it's, like, kind of fun because it's out, out in the farm country and whatnot. Hell, I'd, you know, drive that myself. So, I don't know. It's, like, a situational thing. It's not something I would say I would use all the time, at least in my mind right now. I could... I, I think of the, the technology for driverless cars that they show in um, the movie, what is it, iRobot with Will Smith where uh, his car is able to be driverless, but he can turn it to manual mode and the steering wheel pops out and he can control the vehicle. Like yeah. I see that kind of as like a transitional future, but still for That's... that to work, it has to, the technology for the driverless part has to be, Yeah, it has to be, like I said, as safe as air travel. Cause I think like driving in a car is like the most dangerous form of transportation by a long, well. Yeah. I mean, driving it, to the a, airport is more dangerous than right. actually Flying. And I think, like, flying is the safest form of travel, probably. Oh, yeah. You know, besides walking. Let's well, no, not walking, <laughs> even. Oh, really? Because, no, I, seriously, like, I remember something while I was in school. Um, one of the Freakonomics dude came to our, uh, one of the big lecture halls and, like, was giving, you know, a little speech and whatnot and was just, like, talking about his book and different studies he's done. And he said he doesn't recommend this, but based on studies he's done, if we were to go out to the bar and we drove there, we would actually be safer driving back to our dorm room, our apartment, whatever, in our cars, you know, drunk, at ourselves. We would be safer in our cars driving drunk than walking home where we could stumble and fall and get hit by people that would be drunk driving home like, you know, he wasn't recommending Basically because it's safer to be in the car than be on a sidewalk where people can hit you or fall down or whatever. So, but in terms of, of technology then, cars are like the least safe. Yes. Form. Okay. But, the, but he was also saying like in a college town situation type thing. Drunks. Drunks, yeah, yeah pretty much. 
that and like if you were drunk walking home you could you know fall you could you know pass out on the side of the road fall down a ditch or something like that was the base of his argument but yep he wasn't condoning or wait i don't know the words he wasn't recommending drunk driving okay just saying it was safer (laughs) for the person not the rest of the world (laughs) we'll let the listener decide what they're gonna do justin in favor of drunk driving yep Okay. Didn't you come watch, at me, Mad? Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you watch that movie in driving school with the lady who got her face burned off? Oh, my favorite was the kids who like so jump just over the barrier. Don't, I just won't drunk drive. I'll, you know, get an Uber home. What What happens when Uber is automated? What are you going to do then? Oh shit! Yeah, that's right. It's not your car, but it still could cause an accident or something. Well, well, that would be totally on Uber's that's liability. Uber's fault, but I mean, Uber's looking into autonomous cars too. Oh yeah, so. they already have some in uh, I think Philadelphia. Yeah, so they can cut those little shit fuck drivers out of the equation with their unions and their wages and their breaks and all this other. I bullshit. actually like having Clark, like anti-union. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I was being I was being Uber guy. Oh, <laughs> Travis. Uh, yeah, he's just like Kalanick oh, or whatever like his name is. Austin, you want to impose some kind of regulations that say we can't work our drivers around the clock? Well, fuck you. No more Uber service in your city. I is think it? I've had like one instance of a driver that was like not friendly and like fun to talk to. Everyone else has just been like really cool and chill. Wait, what know? is their argument though about working drivers too much? Can't you just turn the app on and off so you can like work your own hours? I thought that was the whole point. Uh, you know, they're say it's coercive and everything, and because they coerce you to work during peak hours mm-hmm. or something, and the the surge pricing thing, like the customer has to pay more, but the driver doesn't get more. They just keep the, the money. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty complicated dispute, but I'm just saying that that it seems like their end game is to turn their their totally not a taxi fleet into a bunch of automated taxis. I'd be fine with that. Because that's really what it turns out to be, because the whole concept of Uber is it's like, I'm going to use my personal car to earn some money on the side and drive people around. But then when it's no longer your car and it's an Uber car that's running on, you know, Google Driver OS or whatever, it's just a taxi now. What if they have a platform so that you can have your car become an automated Uber car? So, like, you just send your car out <laughs> for, like, four hours a day and it earns money for you. Oh, no, there are some <laughs> concepts about, you know, car share programs in, like, cities and whatnot where, you know, you don't need a car every day and it's just, like, you have keys to some cars and you can get in them whenever yeah, you like want. Yeah, like a zip car. And yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe, yep. but... But, yeah, why not just take that, like, one step further? So you say, like, in the morning, you get up, have your coffee, and then you go out and you start your car, and then you hit, like, put your phone in the car or whatever, or whatever system they're going to have, and you turn it on and just let Uber take over your car, and then, you know, your car drives away and starts making money for you, and then you just recall it when you need it. Because you have to mop up the puke in the back or the shit yeah, I would well, there's. I, I mean there's a lot of own. stuff that needs to be worked <laughs> out but if they want to keep like their value proposition because it's like two-sided right they're saying like oh people can get a ride whenever they don't have to you know wait for a taxi or pay exorbitant taxi fees and stuff and then the drivers can make extra money so if they still want that prong of it they don't it'll want be that like, prong though yeah, I know, but I'm just I'm saying that's a possibility. Like, oh, then they don't have to buy their own car fleet. I mean, they don't have to maintain. It. See, they a lot of costs come with having your own car fleet. You have to maintain it. You have to do the insurance. I think they want to go towards that though to yeah. just cut drivers out of the equation entirely because I feel like, you know, it's a lot easier managing a car fleet than it is to manage, you know, 
100,000 contractors or whatever and their disputes and whatnot. And your maintenance costs and everything are going to be lower because the car, the robot AI or whatever is going to drive the car. Yeah, and if you have, you know, half a million Ford Tauruses or whatever they decide on getting, it's like, whatever, you can just swap out the parts of different cars and whatnot and, you know, swap out an engine, repair the other engine while, you know, you have that one out and whatnot. It, if you have the same car in your whole fleet, then it's reduces cost dramatically. Yeah, I think that they're just going to go the straight globalist model where they're going to eliminate the the useless people. They, they needed the drivers to grow as a company. Then when they can afford to replace them, it's just going to, you know... Sounds a lot like Moo. Out you go. <laughs> Replacing the colonists yeah, with a little, androids. There's a little bit there. It's maybe not as <laughs> I malicious. mean, you know, you, you take you know the population, you use them to build your colony, or company in this case... And then once they ha- no longer have a use and you've built their robot replacements, you ax them. See, but you have to make the decision to annihilate them when you conquer the colony. Mm, I think that may have been their plan from the get-go. Like, maybe, like, big thinking type thing. Like, oh, yeah, we want to have, like, autonomous vehicles. How do we get there? Well, we need a company first. I have no doubt that their plan is to eliminate all of their contractors or drivers eventually. Yeah, yeah I think you're probably right. Just because, like, the thing that I was proposing sounds cool, but at the end of the day, like, it's better to have capital costs than have labor costs that fluctuate. But I guess it does raise also the question about automated cars. And this is something that I think bears thinking about is what you do when the car is smart enough to evaluate all these risks and think about them. And then it's kind of forced into like the no win scenario where somebody has to die. Yeah. I was uh, listening to something earlier this week. It was pretty much like, a lot of lawmakers are like dealing with the question now, like, you know, if you're dealing with how to, when like companies say like, oh, well, we need to, you know, we have a situation, you know, say you have, you're going to go into the back of a semi or you can veer off to the right and you'd go into a field of children, but your driver wouldn't die. Right. But, Either you bury yourself in the back of the truck and you're dead or you jump the curb and kill a bunch of crippled blind kids in wheelchairs. Yeah. And it's like the lawmakers are like, well... We should let, you know, the the person die because that's, you know, the less loss of life. Unless it's me, then I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. So in this in this case though, it sounds like the opportunity there is that because the cars are gonna be completely driverless, there's you know, they can beef up the safety of a car because they're gonna be removing a whole bunch of shit from the car because there's not gonna be a person driving it anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can remove, you can change the whole interior layout of a car. Based yeah, on you can the, make it yeah. look something not like a car, and basically have the back passenger seat be some super contained box where it's you know, unless you get crushed by a fucking steamroller, it's probably gonna survive the crash. Yeah, I think that they can make some advancements in safety because of the opportunities that not having a steering wheel and all that opens up, and also the fact that. You know, the cars are going to be made of like newer, better materials. I know like carbon fiber is really expensive now, but it's the price is going down dramatically every year. So there's going to be a day when they're making cars out of, you know, very thin, very strong carbon fiber, which is much better at crashes than what they have now. I think you're going to reach the point in time where you have to make the decision call before this future technology arrives. 
Because that shit is it's too far off the horizon. I think that it's the AI is going to be there to the point where it's going to be able to drive the car everywhere. Because that's what the Tesla Model 3 is supposed to do. I think you're going to be forced into the kill the blind kids or kill the driver situation before you have the magical bulletproof cars. So who do you kill? Well, that's the question, though, because what do you do? Do you make the computer have, like, a hard out where it says, like, all right, one guy in the car, 20 kids on the sidewalk, see you later? Or do you let the driver take control, and then they have culpability for killing the blind kids? So what? The driver gets control a half second before he actually hits, and it's like, oh, well, it was on, you know, Tim over there driving his Tesla. Like, well, I'm saying, like, control it, back. does... Does autopilot make that call, or does it alert you like, hey, holy shit, and you jerk the steering wheel and start killing some blind kids? I'd be taking a nap or texting or watching That's what I mean, though. Like, though. What, is, what is the solution? <laughs> because it kind of puts you in that situation where you're kind of implicitly saying, No, hey, I mean, it, it, is, it is a hard moral question that doesn't have a good answer, really. I mean, and it won't have a good answer tomorrow, even. Like, it's not something that's easily solvable. I mean... I, my answer personally is, I'm sorry, blind kids, but I can see the danger. I mean, yeah, self-preservation should really, like, start looking at it. But, I mean, then you can have people that, unless you want to have a switch in the car that's like, kill the blind kids or kill me. Like, just flip that every maybe time you go in there. Maybe that should be a user preference, like a user <laughs> setting inside the Tesla menu. Would you prefer to die or kill others? Yeah, it's like, what is what is the, the, the game time decision? Like, self-preservation or self-sacrifice? And Yeah, and it's a, it's a custom setting. You can be like, all right, if there were two people, like, what's the, you know, maximum number of people you'd want to kill before killing yourself? Like, two? Three? But you have to give the person five? some trade-offs. And they're like, it. It, the, like, it has to be like building your race in Mutu or something. So, like, you can only allocate so many points. So, like, you know, I have to have, I have to be able to survive this or this. And you have to compromise on some other things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I personally would just have it set or let people set it so they can do whatever they want. And then it's their fault if they murder I mean, a bunch of people. Besides the one crash that happened this week with Tesla, though, I mean... The crash ratings on Tesla are just beyond the rankings pretty much on every For autopilot. No, no, no. I'm talking about crash ratings for Tesla. Oh, you mean like the safety rating? Safety ratings, When people are driving them, I read in the articles that they put out that they they do have the exact same accident rate as far as other cars because people are still driving them. But you mean like national highway safety testing. And those things, uh, the national highway safety things are just like, you know, beyond five-star ratings on all aspects of the model s right now good like you know it can it i think it broke the like top crush tester or something for that they were doing like where they just have a crush from the top to see how much the weight limit is and it broke the machine when they were testing it so it's like nice yeah tesla cars are very safe and i don't know if at this moment i'd want to run into the back of the tractor trailer instead of the you know seven or eight blind cripple kids but you know, if I was, if it was proven to me that a car could do that, I may feel almost safe doing it. Cars should have ejector seats. Autonomous cars should have ejector seats. I so would be okay with that. If you're going into like a no win scenario, it just pops you out and like. You Unless I was in the tunnel. <laughs> no, yeah, we're hoping it's intelligent enough to like know that, or maybe it has like a you shoot out the side or something, and it's like a bubble. Okay, still in a tunnel, I'd be hitting the sidewall. Like, yeah, no, 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 but you're protecting in like a foam bubble. It like pops up around you. You're adding a lot of equipment to your lightweight car. 
<laughs> That's not that much compared to what you're taking out. An ejector like, seat? Are you fucking kidding? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, they can engineer that, so it's it's good enough. But take out the steering column, and you're adding in like an ejector seat with rockets and a parachute. <laughs> yeah, not to mention like the fuel it has to like have in there. Like, no, yeah, we don't need rockets. If you, need, you could have some like air pressure thing in there, like. They, they're doing all this stuff already with, uh, you know, the Hyperloop and all that. Just it, adapt some technology. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. <laughs> all right. Call me when the Hyperloop opens. Get, yeah. Use magnets. <laughs> no, you, no, no. You use the magnets to make the car go forward. We've had this discussion before. You just, you just hang a magnet in front of it and it'll pull the car. Yeah, like for on you, a stick that's attached to the car. Right. For you people who are new listeners, you don't know that uh, we know somebody who has solved the perpetual motion crisis. By that exact model we just right. described. Hanging a magnet in front of the car on an infinitely strong arm of some metamaterial that exists in this guy's imagination, and you, you're, you're good. You are set. You can, you know, if you want to DM me on Twitter to get, like, an exact inside jack into this guy and you can invest in the ground floor go ahead it's gonna be huge maybe it just involves you know des- changing the design of a car completely well, that's what i'm saying like like I not feel even, like it I, may not even look like a car anymore. i hope in you know 15 20 years that the car looks radically different if the adoption rate for you know autopilot like systems are as big as they are becoming or that they become as big as I hope they will. That, like, when I buy an autopilot car, it's like, all right, this car is, you know, 100% autopilot. You don't need to sit in a driver's seat. Actually, there isn't a driver's seat. It's just, you know, you sit in the back. There's room to you nap. There's, you know, a DVD player with Harry Potter and whatnot. Or maybe it's just, like, in. a train. It's kind of got the layout of a train, the way people are seated there. Like, there's rows of seats facing one another or something okay, like there's that. there's reasons why I don't take the bus to work, okay? One, it's slow. Two, I have to sit with other people, and I don't want to train style seating with other people. Well, you don't that. think, like, buses are going to be autonomous, too? Well, yeah, but Justin's saying that... I still don't want to... Yeah, it's, it's still his car. Yeah, I still don't want to sit next to the, like, smelly homeless guy. Right, and... That is, like, going to describe to me why, you know, inside-out tinfoil is better than right-side-out tinfoil. For, One you know, blocks his... the government signals. Yeah. He just wants five bucks. Yeah. Anyway, so we've established Justin hates charity. I'm in favor of killing blind people. And Grant wants an ejector seat. Wait, what am I not in favor of? You hate charity. You... Charity? Yeah, I just said the guy just wants five bucks, and you were all like, yeah. Oh. I thought we were talking about something earlier I was <clears throat> hating on, but I don't even remember what Justin's that was. Justin's a bootstraps guy. He's so full of hate, I really can't keep track of what's... <laughs> no, that my heart is just pure blackness. So I'm going to get the fucking, what is that, the SLPC on this podcast now. I don't no, know what that is. SPLC, Southern Poverty Law Center. The people who complain about everything. Oh. Anyway, let's talk about futuristic technology. That combined was with... brought by a giant ball. <laughs> Well, we're talking about both movies. Wait, both? Oh, yeah. fuck, I didn't rewatch the other one. Do you really need to? Um, I mean, last time I watched it was probably in 1996, so... Okay, so you might have benefited from doing that. <laughs> but it's too late now. <laughs> yes, it is. It's too late now. Independence Day. Uh, we're not doing Pluto Nash, and I don't want to call it End of Watch, but I keep calling it End of Watch. It is... Midnight Special. Midnight Special, okay. 
End of Watch is the movie with Jake Gyllenhaal as the police officer. Um, during the Independence Day movies, because Independence Day Resurgence just came out, and tomorrow's Independence Day, so, you know. By the time this actually comes out, it'll probably be a few days after Independence Day, but whatever. It's coming out tonight, motherfucker. What? Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, we're on a zero-delay release schedule. I know, there's a lot of editing that goes into these podcasts, let me tell you. Wait, are you serious right now? No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, one take. One take. We'll do it in one, like Calculon, we do it in one take. Do it live? Yeah. I know someone else on YouTube that uh, does one takes for all his stuff. Great Joey? hero. Oh, who's that? Guy who uh, did the Mac and Cheetos. Which one, though? Joey or the kid? I don't know who Joey is. The big the fat dude. The guy in the suits. Oh, yeah, weird kid. Yes. Okay. Okay, he does one take, too. So we're in good company. Anyway, Independence <laughs> Day and Independence Day Resurgence. What did you guys think of the new one? Because I, I know that... Well, actually, no. Let me, let me rephrase that question completely. What did you think of the first one? What is your opinion of Independence Day? Looking back one? on it, as I remember it. Yes. From... At least 10 or more years ago. Yes. I, it was kind of a fun movie. It was kind of just like stupid, fun, things exploding. Aliens, for some reason, like they don't have McAfee installed on their computers. And it was like, hey, we saved the world. Firework time. OS 9. Oh, is that what it was? No, OS 8. Yeah, that would have been OS 8. Okay. On Jeff Goldblum's badass laptop. Yeah. With his creepy Hal thing, Good Morning Dave, because mm -hmm. Space Odyssey 2000. I don't even remember that. I don't even think I had seen Space Odyssey 2001 since I, uh, went, before I saw this movie. And after I'd seen this movie, I think I hadn't watched it again. Or, you know what I'm saying? I'm I'm sure somebody does. What do you think of Independence Day number one? The okay, the first one, yeah, yeah the OG. Uh. I think it's a fun movie. I remember it being, it's got a, like a generic action movie plot, but it was fun enough and original enough in enough ways to be memorable. And I still think it's got some of the best visuals in, oh, yeah. a, in a movie period. And The explosions that they did with actual miniatures yeah. still look good. And they, I don't think they'd ever done that kind of destruction in a movie on that scale before. So like blowing up, landmarks like that yeah. i think the closest thing was probably like the statue of liberty thing in planet of the apes so yeah i guess it's kind of a modern action classic i really like that movie yeah it's one of my favorite movies of all time really yeah but not from like the sense that this is an oscar worthy film but it is like you know exactly what you're getting it's fun and it also is funny yeah. I think it's a fucking hilarious movie. I don't remember the humor that well in it. I remember it being Oh no, kind not of funny. hilarious like it's written like as a comedy, but hilarious in like just the presentation. Okay. I still think the most hilarious thing about the aliens in both movies is the fact that they have to like strangle a human and then like, like talk through it using their tails or tentacles or something like that. Yeah, I look funny <laughs> just goofy shit like that or just it's it's all of the the tropes i think is the word like you know exactly what you're getting you can see it coming from like 100 miles away the first movie great example will smith wants to take a helicopter to go rescue his girlfriend 
And there's just this huge security guy who's like, what the fuck are you doing trying to take this helicopter off of Area 51? And Will Smith's like, I got to go see about somebody. Do you really want to shoot me? And the guy's like, no, I guess not. And it's, 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 I can't even describe like the perfection of how schlocky that is, and it's perfect. But yeah. it's schlock that ended up elevating the art because of the scale of the visuals and stuff. So it's kind of like they, they made disaster porn. They created oh, oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely the, one of the originators of disaster porn, especially in the modern right. sense, because you know Roland Emmerich blew up the White House and blew up the Empire State Building and blew up L.A. and blew up all, every city everywhere, destroyed it all. And then you see these other movies like, oh, Day After Tomorrow or the... Deep Impact. Deep Impact or yeah. Cloverfield or any, any of the movies that are about like shit getting wrecked. And it's like, hmm, I think I've seen this shot somewhere before. Yeah, how many times has the Empire State Building been demolished in film now? By the how many times have we had that long shot down one of the cross streets, like with just buildings getting blown up in the background and people running away? Like, you just know, like Jeff Goldblum's raspy voice, gay boss in the first movie, getting killed, like in the oh, I've got to kill my mother. Call my mother. That's what he sounds like, though. Oh, I thought you said kill my mother. He sounds like I gotta kill my mother. (laughs) I honestly don't remember that guy. He's like David's super camp gay boss at the cable company thing. He's like, David, David, you should be in the basement in the shelter. I'll take your word for it. Okay. I might go watch this when I come home. My brother, I got to call my accountant. Oh, I got to call my brother. I got to call my yeah. brother. I got to call my lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll forget him. Yeah. Fuck my lawyer. <laughs> it, it's got uh, the other great scene where... Um, it's just like you know what's going to happen about three seconds before it happens where the president's getting like psychically attacked by the aliens and then Robert Lowe's just like, is that glass bulletproof? And then all the other guy, Adam Baldwin, I think, is like, no, sir. And then the Secret Service and... Let's other, fuck him up. Yeah, three other military <laughs> officers just pull out these huge guns and just waste this alien inside the lab and just fucking riddle it with bullets. And you, you just know what's coming before it happens. The movie's so enjoyable because of that. I don't know. I really fucking love this movie because it's just, it is the, it's the epitome of like what you see is what you get and you know what you're getting, but you love it anyway, even though you could sit down and figure out the entire plot. You know, uh, Randy Craig's the crazy guy got abducted by aliens. Oh, do you think maybe he's going to confront the aliens at some point in the plot? Maybe he turned out to be right all along. Yeah, maybe his crazy ramblings weren't his crazy (laughs) ramblings. Yeah. Maybe he was telling the truth the whole time. And they're like, oh, this is Russell Case. What do you think about this? And he's like, ooh, the aliens abducted me. And it's like, ha, 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 they stuck probes up your ass. You're a big fag. The aliens uh, sexually abused him. <laughs> those guys making fun of him in, in the, the bar. diner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, no, those things are classic. <laughs> Evidenced by the fact that we remember them for so long. Yeah. 20 years later. And uh, I love the newscast where the, the guy is telling the people in L.A., the newscaster's like, and the president, you know, has warned everybody, please do not shoot at the alien craft because you may inadvertently trigger an interstellar war. It's all this, like, great jingoistic, hilarious shit. You know, Will Smith waking up like, oh, what's that, what's that? And then Vivek A. Fox is like, we're back to sleep, it's just an earthquake. We live in Los Angeles, LOL. <clears throat> then there's a big alien ship over the city, and he's like, oh, we're going to whoop E.T.'s ass. Welcome to Earth. Earth. <laughs> leading, yeah, leading to their, their battle where they get destroyed by the alien spaceships, and Will Smith punches the alien out and 
drags him in the parachute. Yeah, his like monologue <laughs> while dragging him. Yeah, that's pretty classic. Like, what is that smell? <laughs> yeah, that, that's classic. It's, and you it's had to hilarious. come down here all big and bad. <laughs> yeah, this movie made him a star. I don't. Yeah, wasn't this, this his this first big movie? This yeah. did make him a star. I mean, first uh, movie, but I mean, he did Fresh Prince before this, and that arguably made him a actor pretty much and made him on the scene i think yeah fresh prince made him famous but i think this made him into like somebody who is a bankable, bankable yeah. summer blockbuster yeah, star like top build type guy. Well, yeah, yeah. you know in this sci-fi it's not i don't think it's all that bad either like i think it's actually pretty original with like the conception of the aliens i think the premise for the aliens in the original because they do alter it slightly in the new movie but in yeah, the original in the original i like the idea of them being like the locust plague where they're coming, yeah. and their whole civilization is nomadic. They come and suck up all of our water and kill all of us because we're pests, you know, trying to fuck up their water extraction, and they move on to another planet. Right. They just take all the natural resources, and they just move on, and they're telepathic. Yeah. They don't have any of this hive mind stuff that they had in the the new movie. And they have they wear those um, biomechanical suits, and they're actually like these little ET guys in inside. I thought that was pretty. The effects were really cool. For Wait, that. in the first movie, <clears throat> did they have that where they had the aliens like yeah. in like a suit type thing? Yeah, because yeah. remember, we're, uh, uh, Commander Data, Brent Spiner, Doctor Oaken in the first movie. He's like, "Oh, you want to see him? We call this the the freak show." And it's like, there's the dead ones floating in the cylinders. The ones oh, from Roswell. I, I honestly don't remember that, but okay. I mean, I thought it, in this movie, I was like, wait, what? They are like in like little battle suit type things? But. Yeah, because then when Will Smith brings the one, he punches Welcome to Earth into Area 51 because Randy Quaid's desert RV convoy picks him up and takes him to Area 51 oh. in, in a great schlock moment. Okay. Then Will, you know, Will Smith drags the alien in and they're like, oh, fuck, it's an alien in a parachute. Holy shit. And you know, then Commander Data's like, oh, we got a live one. Awesome. And they're cutting it open. <laughs> And that's how... I thought he died in the first movie, but apparently not. He was just in a coma for <laughs> 20 years. Even though... They, I think they kind of retcon that a little bit because Adam Baldwin does go over and take his pulse and his head's kind of long around like his neck got snapped, but I guess he's just sleeping. <laughs> they, I don't know. Whatever. Fine. He's alive. I yeah, enjoyed he it. He had to be woken <clears throat> up by his friend's kiss after 20 years. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> I, I think they were trying was like to, knitting him a sweater. Right, I think they, they yeah. were even trying to imply they were gay. But oh, I didn't <laughs> catch on to that. Really? Uh, well, maybe. I, I I took it as just that they were just really, really weird scientist dudes, like really close pals or whatever. Like uh, they're just they're just really weird. That's what uh, I, I mean. You could say, yeah, they're really weird and kind of close. What? Uh, I did, knitting a sweater for someone that's it's a, it's a crossing bit, a line. Yeah, there's a little bit. That's of it, more yeah. like relationship type thing. It's like, oh yeah, I gave you this sweater I knit. It's kind of a gay subtext there, especially with like I brought you a new plant. Well, the, the, come that's on. different. I, I, I made a garden in your room, and I'm going to spritz it, and I made you a sweater, and I'm going to, ooh, wake up, wake up. Ooh, your hair is so lovely. Like, <sighs> okay, the hair is so lovely thing. I would say maybe, like, <laughs> tending to plants in somebody's room is, like, eh, a friend could do that. But, yeah, the, oh, your hair is so nice and lovely, and... Yeah, that's, I, yeah, I'm, that's, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, it, taken separately... Taken as a whole, yes. Yeah. There, there is a gay subtext. Debatable. Taken as a whole, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess they couldn't do in 1996, or that guy was actually kind of a minor fuck-off character. 
Mm-hmm. The other doctor. I did go back and check. He is in the movie. Right, but they like none of them had names and everything. No. Was, and Brent Spiner was hardly in the movie either before he gets taken out by the alien. He was, yeah, he's he's only in there when the president gets to Area Fifty One. He's like, oh, it's, I'm the head of you know all the scientists here, Mister uh, President. They, they don't let us out much. Yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, some really exciting things have been happening over the past twenty four hours. And like, yeah, dude, lots of people died. What are you that, up to? What the president says like millions of people have died, Doctor. I hope it was worth it. And he's like. Okay. Hey, oh. you want to see the freak show? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got some dead guys over here. Yeah. And the cool, I mean, I know like every alien thing has flying saucers, but they did it in a cool way in, in that movie. Have yeah. them be like mile wide covering cities with the giant uh, super laser Death Star thing yeah. in the middle. And oh. the, I, I felt like, though, with that, I mean, yeah, it was really cool in the first movie, but they just tried to, like, one-up themselves in the next one. It was like, you don't need half a planet-wide saucer. It, oh, we'll get to that shit. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that we'll shit. We'll get to that shit. Okay. The shields, though. The I did, shields. I did want us to talk about the shields. Oh, 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 the funniest <clears throat> part, though, where they sent up the helicopter, and they're like, yeah, let's send it the friendship oh, welcome message. Wagon. He's like, I think something's oh, happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, sir, I think something's happening. And it's like, bam, bam, fuck you. You're dead. <laughs> yeah, the Operation Welcome Wagon. Yeah. But uh, I, I like the shield effects in the first movie a lot, because now, okay, that's not, I could probably do that on my fucking phone now with some app, but... For 1996? Yeah, that was like was, a lot of money. It was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I know you when they're shooting at the missiles at the, sh- the big ship the first time, when Will Smith and the Black Knight squadron go up and the guy's trying to do the sermon and be funny. I honestly don't remember. They shoot the missiles at the ship and like, there's just the big green shields and the missiles don't do anything because the shields are up. Like the, the effect is really good, especially mm-hmm. for 1996. Okay. Right, they, it's like the get, explosion is like goes straight vertical, and yeah. you see like the shimmer of the shield. That it was pretty oh. cool. And the like when the the fighters are flying against the little tiny alien like flying saucer fighter ships, like those little ones have shields too. And you know you can see in the background like they're colliding with. They're just flying through the F-16s because they have the shields, and their shields are like blipping and wobbling. Like, it's just it's really really good. Oh, okay. For the era. Well, so they I, had the, those little alien fighters had a cool dynamic too. The way they move, even it kind of looks like they designed them so they're. It's like they're constantly flying on a gyroscope because mm-hmm. they move around like that and uh, they tilt a lot. Whereas the, you know, F 16s they have to like bank and dodge and turn and stuff. Whereas the alien ships are very nimble. Because the alien ships cool. have like they look like the anti gravity paradigm of flight versus the you know, for jet propulsion and using the air to move yourself. Yeah. And uh, the classic thing where they deliver the virus, the alien computer well, with, the, I, with the, the skull and crossbones but, countdown. But, you know, when, when New York City is descending into panic, because this is going to be something we talk about with the new movie, Jeff Goldblum, after playing chess with his dad in the beginning of the movie, because it set up the great checkmate analogy for some reason, even though you, you don't, like, it's a totally inept analogy because that you don't put your pieces in the chessboard or you position them as you play. You don't start with the position. But regardless, playing chess and goes to open his dad's door and his dad's got the shotgun like, oh, oh what, are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, do you still have the car? And he's like, oh, yeah, I never sold it after your mother died. Oy vey, I'm a Jew. Did you guys figure that out yet? Yeah, I thought you wanted one of these Ludas. Yeah, they fucking hammer that. So his dad's such a Jew. Like, just, it's, like, he, he is the living stereotype. No, seriously. No, and no, they, no. They yeah. carry it on in the new movie, too. Like, 
Oh, I'm going to meet the president. I don't have a tie. I look like a schlemiel. I'm such a schmuck. But again, that's just like the trope of like, ooh, a cranky old Jewish guy and his gangly nerd son go to see the president. And he's like, oh, can I take this pen and have a souvenir from the Oval Office? And David's like, they're using the satellites against us, Mr. President. Setting aside, of course, that they have an interstellar civilization, but they cannot figure out how to communicate around a circular object. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tough sometimes. They don't have their own satellites. Well, I mean, they are a nomadic race, so they may just be all in, you know. Maybe they're just lazy. They were doing it out of convenience. Are they retards, too? Maybe. Well, apparently they got like, <laughs> they got smashed by a, like a Mac OS eight virus that got uploaded. But that's the, the checkmate thing leads down to like David discovers the countdown. They're recycling the signal and it gets smaller. Okay, and then at Area fifty one, he's like, "Hmm, wait a minute. They use the signals to coordinate their attacks, so they must have a big computer network. We should give them a cold." After his dad's like, "You're gonna get a cold if you keep sitting on the floor drinking whiskey, David." And then Will Smith knows how to fly an alien spaceship just because he's the best pilot ever who wants to be in the space shuttle. Because he's Will fucking Smith. Yeah. <laughs> they fly the, the, the crashed Roswell fighter that's half-patched with like steel and carbon fiber and yellow caution tape up into the alien mothership, and the aliens are like, oh, hey, what's up? Hey, we missed you guys. Hey, how's it going? Let me put you right here. <laughs> and then he, he gets nuked after the Jolly Roger skulls on there because you know david's a sick hacker who went to mit who has to take the time to taunt the aliens he's about to genocide it's a hilarious the movie's so funny i I can't contain myself it's a classic scene though like (laughs) nobody nobody forgets that i can't forget the the end will smith's obsession with the cigars and yeah the fat lady yeah what is what is with the fat lady what is is with you and the fat lady (laughs) Because they, but that that fireworks thing at the end, where Will was like, "Oh, I promised you fireworks," and his kid's like, "Yeah, yay, fireworks." The, the fireworks thing comes up in the new movie quite a bit. I guess they just took like the most memorable moments of the other movie. And, yeah, and just tried to rehash them. Yeah, just grab, which is something that happens a lot with sequels or whatever. But I like the first movie. You should rewatch it after this. It might. It's perfect comedy. Let's talk about the new one. Not perfect comedy. Really? I thought it was really, really, really funny in an unintentional way. Well, in some ways, yes. Okay. Like, it was just like, oh, hey, remember that thing where we destroyed the landmarks? Oh, they always get the landmarks. It's like, that's not... They did rebuild the White House, though. Well, yeah. They... It's like the techno White House now. Neo White House. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of weird shit in this new universe this new Independence Day. Although I will say I do like how they blended the alien technology in. Like, this is what 20 years after would look like because they have all the flying cars and all that kind of shit. That, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. But this movie, Resurgence, generally, <laughs> I'm going to say, I, I saw it last night and it was just, I thought it was a shit movie because it was just so bland and boring. Yeah. I was not engaged in it the way I was engaged in the first one. And I don't, I didn't really feel like the stakes were high at all watching this movie compared to the first one. Like, I felt like the suspense in the first one, like, oh shit, are they going to do everything they need to do in time before the Area 51 gets nuked by the aliens? And yeah, they had like a similar countdown type thing in this movie, but like, I never felt like it was anything dangerous. Like, 
It was just like, oh, there's like a mining laser thing and they're going to steal the core. But didn't yeah, you good see point. the treasure hunters? Which came out of fucking left field? <laughs> they, like, they were so concerned in their faces. Like, I don't get why they were in the movie. Uh, Irish co-financing? I don't no. know. They, they were... had a lot of co-financing, didn't they, <laughs> they in this did. movie? No, the, the, but you bring up a good point. It's just none of those things made any impact with Resurgence because I'd seen them before in the first movie because they recycle like half the plot points I mean, from the first movie in this the thing, one. <laughs> the thing that I didn't like about the like impending doom of the mining thing, yeah. it it felt so disconnected to like an actual like thing happening like, I felt a lot more concerned about, oh, there's, like, an alien spaceship crashing into the Earth and whatnot and all that stuff. And then the mining layers are just like, oh, it's kind of there in the distance. I can't really see what's going on. I know you hate Star Trek, the new one, but that scene with the mining laser, whatever the fuck it was, that would be, if they added something like that, you could see some amount of, like, concern in there. Oh, yeah, like, in the Star Trek movie, I don't have any problem with the, when they have the mining laser on Vulcan and they're trying to evacuate everybody. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, there is a sense of urgency. It's like, is, you know, are they actually going to make it out before the planet sucks into itself? Yeah. Whereas this one, it's like, okay, so they're all, everybody who's important is at Area 51, but the aliens are doing something out there in the ocean, so that really, I mean... So we think we can yeah, kill does, their leader and they'll stop. Right. It just it doesn't what? it doesn't affect really the story of what's happening in Area Fifty One that much, other than some guy like talking in their ears, saying like, "Oh, you got three minutes left," and it's like Dragon Ball Z time too. Yeah, it's like, it "Oh, totally you got is. two minutes left," and it's like twenty minutes later in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just ask why everybody is a pilot now? Because. After the alien invasion 20 years ago, they just said, oh, well, we need a bunch of pilots, so let's just train everyone in the Air Force. Because it's a cool thing to be part of, like, the Earth uh, Defense Force or whatever it's called in the movie. I guess. No, okay, you know what I actually got from this movie? Very minor kind of feelings about this. It was like Starship Troopers yes. where, like, everyone was like... Yeah, we gotta go kill the aliens. Yeah, let's join the military. Kill the aliens. Yeah, there was a lot of forced jingoism in this. Like, slap you in the face jingoism. Like, Brent Spiner saying, we are gonna kick some alien ass now. <laughs> Set up the sequels. I mean, it wasn't as, like, you know, in your face as Starship Troopers, but it was it was there, and I was just like, I'm yeah, getting some vibes from this. Like, you also, I guess my question about the pilot thing stems from, like, so the movie starts with President Bill Pullman. Oh, by the way, this whole thing is spoilers. <laughs> oh. We never actually said that, but whatever. Are you going to do your minor editing to like... No, if you, if you listen to this long, you're an idiot. <laughs> you must have known. But anyway, President Crazy Beard, he's got the crazy beard. Bill Pullman wakes up and he's like, oh, I, I got to draw a circle with a line through it. Whoa, I drew it everywhere. Then later in the movie, after he shaves and becomes sane again, I guess... He's like, oh, I'm a pilot. I'll fly the suicide mission. They didn't bring up Russell Case, Randy Quaid at all, which I thought they were going to, or maybe even like in an ultra schlock moment, one of his kids would be grown up. Like, I'll do it. Maybe. Oh, you mean a... like they had like <laughs> yeah. not Will Smith's kid actually be Will Smith's kid in the movie in this? No, no, no. Because uh, that I felt was a bit forced in. It's like, oh, you're Will Smith's kid. Okay. Well, Will Smith's kid's a pilot. The president's daughter is apparently a pilot too, but she's also the White House speechwriter. <laughs> Okay, fine. She has multiple jobs. That's okay. But it's a tough economy, okay? So I need to hold down two, three jobs to <laughs> I, make I a living. She's got a part time gig as the White House speechwriter. Like, oh, hey, great speech. 
The fucking president says that to her, like, oh, I really love that speech you wrote. You're good. And then she flies fighter pilots on the weekends. And then she's also an ace pilot, like, I'll go on the suicide mission for the future. It's like, no, 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 let the old guy die. That's how this works. But I was really expecting one of Randy Quaid's kids, because he does kill himself in the first movie. And it's like, oh, your father's very brave. And the guy's like, oh, I know. I was expecting one of the kids to show up. Be like, I'll go on the suicide mission. Well, when- again, why isn't he's the hero? He's one of the heroes of the first movie. Why isn't there at least like a portrait or a picture right. of him yeah. in the White he's House? Like, completely. There's a well, picture of fucking Will Smith there. Do you think going, like, Will you know, Smith like- got any kind of billing in this movie because his portrait was up on the wall? Billing like credit or billing like money? In credit or money. I mean, I assume there's a bit paid. of money. Yeah, you got to be paid for that. Because he got up in a costume and whatnot. The, but the famous Corporal Hicks aliens case. Yeah, they probably paid him like a little <laughs> nominal sum. to. Yeah, I thought he was all angry about this movie because they wouldn't let Jaden actually be his son or something like that. Well, that's, that's good. Thank God. Yeah, thank that that happened. the fucking Lord. Because that would have been awful. More awful than it turned out to no, be. But already. this movie's awful like in a good way. If Jaden had been in there, I mean, it would have been genuinely unenjoyable. With yeah. his, like, confused, like, the aliens advance. What? Should I take an ether? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was something. I No, actually, Will Smith's kid in this movie, whatever the fuck his name was, I can't Dylan. remember. Dylan? Yep. I thought he had an acting moment that was on par with Jaden, where I guess his mom... I didn't realize his mom was on the roof or whatnot whatnot and like they got to like got her in a helicopter and like she was like hanging on and she fell and he's like mom <laughs> no <laughs> come on pull her in pull her in mom no but then he's just like they killed my mom i'm really mad well about and they, it. that's a recycled <laughs> plot point they just recycled that from like when uh, his his friend will smith's fighter pilot friend in the yeah. first movie died and he's like no and it's just Jimmy. like they never mention the guy yeah. after that. It's like, but they do it with his mom in this one. It's like, maybe it should have a little more impact on him, but it's like five seconds. It's and then like, it, oh, I'm really mad at those yeah. fucking aliens now. Yeah, let's get it. Uh, As I if guess, I wasn't before for right. blowing up half the fucking planet. Okay. He and uh, the other guy, Thor's little brother. Uh, Liam. Liam. I always want to call Hemsworth. him Chris, but Chris is, Chris is Thor. It's what? like, oh, they killed my parents too. We used to not like each other a lot, but now we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's like just saying like aliens killed my parents. Oh, they killed my parents too. Again, that's very Starship Troopery. Like, yeah, oh but, yeah, my my parents were killed by the bug aliens too. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's an actual line. I know it is. I remember. Oh, okay. All right, I didn't know. Didn't know if it, the last time you saw that was 1997. Man, the last time I saw it was uh, a few months ago, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, whenever we reviewed it. Okay, yeah, but Will Smith's son, is, or Will uh, I got to call him Will Smith's son, even though it's not actually Will Smith's son. It's not Jaden Smith. It's another guy. So we can agree that this guy was marginally better than Jaden would have been. Mar- this is like fucking... Leaps and bounds, but he yeah. did have a moment of Jadenism <laughs> with his mom dying. He was actually entertaining. Jaden would have just been like, the aliens are back. I must ghost to escape them. <laughs> that was actually really good. It <laughs> does sound like him. Well, also, Thank you. like yeah, the, I, I don't think Jaden would have been credible in the scene where he has to punch out Thor's little brother. Yeah, like Thor's little brother's like 
he's pretty big looking. He's tall. Jaden's like a little shrimp. Like he's have to like get on a little high chair and punch him. You know, they could totally do like some Lord of the Rings like force perspective <laughs> shit to like make him seem bigger. Have him stand like ten feet away and yeah. punch and like all right now quickly. I'm like act like you got punched. Like, like well, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. I thought everybody everybody kind of made sense. I guess in the perspective of like okay, the president's daughter. Fine, she's gonna be President Whitmore Jr. Will Smith's kid's going to be Will Smith Jr. Uh, Liam Hemsworth's unfunny roommate guy is going to be the replacement for Harry Connick Jr., the guy who pulls his oxygen mask off and dies. Right, the the, the quippy <coughs> co-pilot. Or... Yeah, I can't figure out what Liam Hemsworth was doing there or Chinese lady who has no character development or any think, importance to the plot. Okay, one, I think Liam Hemsworth is supposed to be the stand-in for the Will Smith character. Okay, the badass. His, yeah, his badass attitude and stuff, which he kind of really overplays and hams up in this movie. I didn't really like him doing that. It did not seem realistic at all. No. But again, maybe that's an unfair criticism because this movie knows how unrealistic it is as it's being portrayed to you on the screen. So maybe it was on purpose. I want yeah. to talk uh, about... The Chinese lady yeah. was there because they got Chinese co-financing. I mean, it was <laughs> very, very obvious. Like, I was watching this, and, like, it things that stood out to me, like, in the start of the movie, they're using QQ Messenger, which is, like, pretty much primarily used in China, like, and, you know, Chinese immigrants use it still. But, yeah, only Chinese Messenger, and, like, you know, they have everybody using that now for some reason to talk yeah. to the moon base. QQ chat. Yeah, QQ chat. I'm just like, <laughs> all right, that seems very out of place that they're not using, you know, Skype or FaceTime or, you know, something else that, you know, the rest of the world fucking uses. Or just generic. Oh, yeah, generic future. just like movie video phone thing, whatever. Yeah, no need to brand it, just future video chat. And then, like, I was okay. Like, oh, you know, there's, you know, a Chinese general on the moon or whatever he was, you know, controlling things. The world's come together, fine. That's oh, fine. Much like the new Captain America movie, the, the UN is the ultimate authority in everything. I don't care. Whatever. I'm I'm almost okay with that. But when they're like, oh, they got like a new Chinese pilot. I'm like, oh, where are they going with this? And it's like, then they have the Chinese flag behind her. Like, just like, oh, like, I'm getting ready for a new like piloting mission. And there's six guys behind me holding a China, a Chinese flag. What's up? Also, you know, not to be, you know, stereotypical or anything or say anything stereotypical, but this she is the least Chinese-looking person, though, I've ever seen. Like, it's like they picked deliberately the most un-Chinese woman they could find. She didn't look. She she didn't look like a Chinese person at all to me. Is there a way they're supposed to look? No, but it's just like, <laughs> you know when you see an Asian person, you know like they are Asian. She didn't. She looked like right. I don't know, like a Valley Girl from California or right, something. Right, right. She did not look like she was from China. But okay, I I will delve a little bit into the the hot button racial politics that dominate the universe now for whatever reason. Remember what they did with Finn and the, the, the Asian release posters for the Star Wars movie. What? <laughs> whoa, 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 what? Uh, yeah. You didn't see this? I must have forgotten. Or... Okay, so John Boyega, Finn, yes. the black guy yes. from the new Star Wars movie. And the regular poster, he's right up front with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Normal billing, normal size representation on the poster. In the Asian release, he is like this tall in the back. <laughs> 
they made him like an inch and a half tall and jammed him in the back of the poster. And he still has his name on the poster in the same size, but it's just like the black guy who Asian people find black men threatening for whatever reason that put him in, put him in the back of the poster. Like he's still in the movie. We can't cut him out completely, but we'll just make him really small. <laughs> so I guess maybe they picked like a, a, white-looking Chinese person because for some reason Chinese people are into that? Maybe. I, that's my best guess because Grant's right. I don't. She doesn't really like scream, you know, Chairman Mao, Revolution China to me. It's just okay, like... I, okay, I figured it out. <laughs> I have an answer to my question, so I was an idiot and I should have read about this before we talked about it. Apparently, the, the woman playing uh, this Chinese pilot in the movie, she is Hong Kong superstar Angela Baby... I guess that's how you say her name, and she's like one of the most uh, prolific actresses, models, and vocalists in China. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's the reason why she's in the movie, even if she... I don't know. Well, I mean, this movie... I mean, too Chinese. You really do have to, like, when you're considering making a movie now, like, think about, like, oh, international releases in China is, like, a huge market. Yeah. Yeah, so when you put like a the biggest actress in China apparently as you know one of the you know names you could own on the poster or on you know yeah. trailers and whatnot, that'll bring people in because they're like, oh, the next movie with you know Angela Baby. I don't doubt that. Awesome. I mean, maybe what I was going to say is that perhaps she's famous in China because she looks like kind of a whitish Chinese person. Well, actually, I was going to say that that's an interesting thing, and maybe that's why. I can't wrap my mind around this because I've seen a picture of her right here. She probably does fit like the standard of Chinese beauty where she, she has like very light yeah. skin. Like she has that a geisha look for lack of a better term. I mean, I think that's their historical standard of beauty or something over there. I know like when companies sell skincare products in Asian oh, no, countries, pale, pale that they, they're whitening skin products because they like to have paler skin. So yeah. I guess she she fits that better than anybody else. Oh, it's pale skin is a, a sign of wealth in, in that part of the world because you're not outside working in the field. That's why it's like you see women with parasols and shit still in Asia. Seriously, having a tan is a sign, or was a sign, that you worked outside and were, like, lower class. Okay, so I was unwittingly advocating that they should have had a working-class Chinese woman be this in starring in this movie. <laughs> Which then. would fit better with their, their <laughs> communist ideology, so let's... Who's the real hypocrite here? That's the Xi Jinping. Come on the podcast and explain yourself. Yeah. Yeah. One of, the, one of these days, we're going to get somebody. No, we won't. It's... Hey... Hey, you're not going to pass the Chinese state security check now. You're not going to be invited when he shows up. Are you assuming they listen to the podcast? Or Everybody listens to the podcast. We have, you know, Even the Chinese government? Especially the Chinese government. They're trying to see what, you know. So there's a knockoff super high sci-fi podcast <laughs> in China right now? Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. But it is kind of weird that there's like, Okay, setting aside how stupid the UN is, both in real life and the future, we'll, we'll go with it. It's like Jeff Goldblum is leading the mission into Africa to find the guy who, I guess they don't really ever conclusively explain this, but the warlords guy. Okay, you're talking about offering up stereotypes in a movie. Too. Oh, I know. This guy, yeah. Like, yeah. like, they offer him up, like, the token black African warlord guy who, like, is, like, 
attuned to the spirits and shit and has like machetes and what was his dad's <laughs> character introduced in the first movie or was it just sort of like no, okay this, they just completely made this shit up the, the only thing that's shown in the first movie are african children running up a sandy hill like yay when there's a big crash spaceship in the background after they you know telegraphed the information on how to stop the aliens mm. okay uh, it's just there's no there's no explanation given at all because no, they, they had like a little like minor couple line backstory like oh yeah you know his father was a nut job but you know his son's a little more conservative like it's cool don't worry about it because i guess the spaceship that crashed and they were fighting the aliens who were in it they've been hiding out in africa doing alien stuff and these the warlord guy he's been killing them okay that's how he figured out their language and shit yeah that's what he tells jeff goldblum's new girlfriend like i had to learn their language to hunt them down Hmm. okay i mean that makes sense fine but Grant's right, like, it's just a big, hulking guy who fulfills not only, like, the stereotype of the giant, muscly African guy who loves to murder people, but <laughs> he's also, like, the gentleman scholar who has his big, you know, Cecil Rhodes mansion full of alien language translations and shit. Right, and his job <laughs> is to basically, like, act out his prescription that you have to kill them from behind yeah. or whatever, and then tell the the nerdy white guy in the end, that you have the spirit of a warrior. John Oliver. Yeah. That's who he looks like to me. A little bit, yeah. yeah. It's 2016. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't we letting these aliens onto Earth, guys? Why? What, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. Brutal. But, okay, so uh, I was going to call him Channing Tatum, but uh, Liam Hemsworth comes down. The same guy, basically. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Channing Tatum comes down with his unfunny sidekick to, like, rescue Jeff Goldblum. They fly up to the moon because... The, the Death Star appears in the beginning of the movie, and they shoot it down with our new laser, which is like a copy of the alien laser. Okay, what that thing looked like when it came out of like the portal or whatever it came out of, it looked like a giant like. It looked like the robot from Wally, the the Eve robot. <laughs> That's what I thought of. I thought of that when they had the little one after Brent Spiner got his laser gun out. But the big one was like, oh, it's the, Death, sphere. it's the Death Star or something. Or, like, yeah, yeah it, it looked a little intimidating. It wasn't like, oh, we come in peace looking and whatnot. It Which, was... Yeah, I, to that point, later in the movie, it, like the little white sphere who was riding inside of that ship that's like the AI from the other alien civilization who wants to kill the bad aliens. Are they the bad aliens? Are we going to find out later that they aren't? We're going to kick their ass. Okay. It's pretty conclusively what Brent Spiner said. Okay. There isn't going to be a deep moral question about, like, oh, these aliens were actually just trying to get our molten core to be like. Sure hope not. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be handled very well by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> that's really his thing. He's the man I want in charge of the philosophical debate. Mm, is it right to really resist these aliens to the point where they can't exist either? Maybe they just want to get our molten core and make us, like, a big, you know nice diamond ringed with it or something like that take all the carbon press it down justin your thing you have to know is that everybody wipes on molten core all right what in a 40-man raid everybody gets killed in molten molten core oh okay joke okay i never played wow okay molten core is a dungeon or something oh okay raid dungeon whatever anyway the uh, the other alien that when it comes out and says like oh hey uh, John Oliver I recognize you like couldn't it have communicated that it wasn't had no hostile intention somehow earlier I mean yeah it was seemed like a telepathic type thing or at least you could like interface with you know the technology computer? or yeah. you know speech and whatnot to be like okay well 
we have bits and pieces of, you know, it's, language coming out of... Liam Hemsworth could be in his bunk because he gets grounded by a stern Chinese commander man. Mm-hmm. And he could be on QQ Messenger with his girlfriend. And then the alien sphere talks to him on QQ Messenger and is like, hey... And What's he up? Ha- he has to run, run up to the command center and be like, no, stop. Too late. I, yeah, I just improved the movie. He has to like jump like this, like Kirk in Star Trek VI. Like, no, Mr. Commander. Commander Zhang, yeah. no. Oh, that is the guy. That's the, you know, he's the guy who is good with calculation from yeah. The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, he is the, the, the yeah. television. Right. As the Joker calls him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the television so-called bland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I re- that's where I recognize that guy from. Yeah. That, that, also, the ball. The ball. Why couldn't it have shown up sometime within the 20-year interim? Like yeah, it, not it just like chooses to show up five minutes before the aliens come. That's back. very convenient. Yeah, it's like the or they're a species of advanced technology. I think they could have shown up sooner. It is remarkably convenient. Maybe it's all a trick by the aliens. Yeah, that Jeff yeah. Goldblum's going to figure out in the next movie. Yeah, oh, well, what if what if it was all a trick? We now we got to give them a super virus. We've got to be near my David. Yeah. Oy, oy vey, I should have gotten better boat insurance. Oh, sweet Moses. <laughs> I spent too much money on this boat. It's very expensive. Like, Okay, how did he survive that, too? <laughs> I know, like the, a fucking tanker ship <laughs> came down on top of the him. The kids he's find like, him, like, so, hanging in his yeah. chair. Like, oh, he's just knocked out. What is his no, boat no, that, That's of? actually, like, a <laughs> annoying thing I that happened, or for me, at least, that I saw. It was like... The kids were driving by, and it's like, hey, there's a guy up there. I think I saw him move, and it's like, oh, he's just knocked out. It's like, okay, when do people are who are knocked out, when do they move? Like, I don't know. They've probably seen a dozen dead guys that they've driven by already. Like, how does a guy that looks that's knocked out look any different from them? It's, it seems strange, but okay. I do like how he's trying to sell his shitty book to other old people Yeah, in the retirement home. That was Yeah, that was funny, yeah. <laughs> Like, his book, like, How I Saved the World. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of reminds yeah. me of the National Treasure movie where the whole psychic guy is trying to sell his shitty book, too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, then he blows all his money on uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, the fancy cars and shit. Yeah, but he's trying to sell his book, like, right. oh, other other secrets that are true, too. And his, you know, book signing is a miserable failure. Just like Judd Hirsch, like, oh, buy, the, buy my book. I saved the world. My son, David. I came up with the idea for the virus. It was me. <laughs> I'm Jewish, by the way. Yeah, no, they they really, really hit that one in the head so much. Like they don't even tell him to like, you know, just play a normal person. They're like, Yeah, we want to really we want you to lock it up. Like we want you to play an old Jew. Can you do that? He's like, Well, yes, because I actually am a Jew in real life, so it shouldn't be that hard. And I'm still going to pay me. (laughs) I'm not really acting so can you but just give me my money? Then the kids are like, oh, our parents are dead. I mean, implied. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Sorry. Oh, that's terrible. Let's go to uh, Area 51 where my David is. Yeah. Like, let's, well, oh, yeah. Cause everybody, uh, just Area 51. Not thinking 51. about you guys. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, or at the end where they're like, you know, saying, oh, I want, we want to stay with you. He's like, ah, I think that would be a good idea. It's like, where did that come from? Are you from? a pedophile? Like, no, but just like, where did that come from? It was just so. Never set up. I know. Yeah. All the, he's going to adopt all the kids now. But they're going to go to Area 51, which is the place the aliens were like a, a like cunt's hair away from blowing up last time. That was their ultimate plan. Let's go there. First stop. Trigger warning. Misogyny. Cunt. Let's just, <laughs> just go there. Just go. 
which, by the way, speaking of trigger warnings and progressivism in the UN and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, they really try to have, like, the female president thing, and then they kill her, like, just get sweep her right under the rug, like, get the oh, fuck she, she out really of here. It doesn't matter in the movie at no, all. No, she's, she's inconsequential, yeah. but they have, like, they just tick that box, like, ah, it's the future, there's a woman president, and then, like, bad things happen, and it's like, she's dead, we put balding man in charge, and then Bill Pullman is, like, his boss. Right, and then do you notice how he makes a speech again? Yes. And yeah. It's like a fucking ranting. He looks like a crazy old guy, and then, like, all the people start paying attention to him in the hangar, and, oh, it's just, that was the moment I was just like, God, this fucking movie sucks. Like, it's just trying to cash in on the, the, uh, the first movie. So but, blatantly. But the general who just got sworn in as president listens to the speech and is like, what should I do, Mr. President? <laughs> You're the president like, now. You, you tell me. I'm a little bitch. You just let me know what I should do. <laughs> that, but that's why I, I get why that makes you frustrated with it, but that's why I like the movie because it is not trying to hide what it's doing at all. It is a terrible movie with a thin plot that makes no sense and it's just a retread of most of the points from the other movie up to and including the suicide mission with the huge explosion that in this movie changes nothing for some reason. Right, and he like there's no emotional consequence to, to him dying. It's just like he's a footnote, and he's but dead, they, and they never mention the him fireworks, again. The it, fireworks. The fireworks. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's like Han Solo dying in Force Awakens. Like He gets no memorial. <clears throat> there's no emotional impact. Nobody even talks about him afterwards. Like nobody, like nobody gives Chewie a hug, even. Like That's just how it... His daughter doesn't give a shit after he dies. She just goes and flies yeah, the she mission. She just goes and flies. <laughs> yeah, they to shoot the shoot the alien. I, I'm really I am so surprised that they didn't have Liam Hemsworth say like, "Get away from her, you bitch." You know, like yeah, the Cloverfield monster alien queen. What <laughs> actually the monster the the queen alien reminded me of in this movie, or at least the whole scene reminded me of Wild Wild West. With the oh. giant mechanical spider in the desert. Yes. Yeah, another Will Smith movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I saw that, I'm like, whoa, this is a really reminiscent scene. And the last time I saw Wild Wild West was probably the same time I saw Independence Day. But yeah, I was I was like, oh hey, huh, looks the same. And then yeah, they it was a little different outcome, but Yeah, there's they're gonna make a tornado out of alien spaceships. <laughs> well, well, we're, we're part of the hive mind now, guys. Can't control my ship. That's not how it worked in the first movie. I still don't understand, like, I, it was just, like, stupid, you know, you hop in the alien ship, it's like, oh, all the controls are the same as, you know, Earth controls, that's cool. Their yeah. seats are made just for me, you know, yeah. person-sized seats. Why wouldn't they be? Because it's a fucking alien ship. I mean, they never say they had to install new seats and figure out the controls in the first movie. I, I know, it's just another thing that they sort of just gloss over in the previous movie in this one and they don't care about it they're just like ah whatever yeah america also the fact that the aliens have a ship that's the size of half the planet and it like lands on the planet okay that is that is the funniest part of this movie for me is when the people in in china for some reason are running away from the ship that has its own gravity which is paired with the you know judd hirsch like oh boy why did i buy the boat like it's the (laughs) The, the ship is so big, it's pulling all, like, the oil tankers off the ground. Like, Yeah. It, I, 
I guess it's the replacement for the shot of people running away from the exploding buildings or where David's gay boss dies. But it, it, it's like they're trying to hit the note, but they're just doing it pro forma because it has no, no impact at all. And just, eh, people got to well, run away. It's like, oh, we had mile-wide spaceships in the first movie, and that was a huge like visual impact on moviegoers. So we're going to have a ship that's the size of half the fucking planet. You better deal with it. You better like it. Yeah, that it's and, like, and it's going to dock with half the planet, and then it's going to mine the planet, and the alien queen inside is like a giant kaiju monster. It's going to suck the, the molten core out like a straw and drink the milkshake, apparently. Yeah. That's right. They're oil mining our planet. I, I guess. Yeah, so when... I, I don't get, like... Okay, the alien queen died. Yeah. And then, like, all the little fighter pilot alien ships fell to the ground because they're no longer being controlled by the hive mind. Yeah, it's like the when the Borg queen dies in well, Star Trek no, no, First no. Contact. I, they I, just... Okay, I'm all okay up to this point. Then the 3,000-mile-wide ship just fucks off and flies away. It yes. was, you know what? And they Why? explained that with one line in the movie. They said... Oh, it's because they'll be recalled by another like harvester queen or something. Oh, did they? I must and I was have like, missed that. That's line. fucking stupid. The backup queen took over. Because that to me, that's just the offsite queen. Yeah. Like yeah. it's an it's, offsite backup. Or it's like, like Jurassic Park site B. The site B queen took over. But they make it sound like there's like an infinite number of like harvester ships and queens out there, and that's why they're fighting this. The the ball has. You know, yeah. the, the robo-ball person is fighting them. And now, like, the Earthlings are going to fight them in the inevitable two sequels. But or... did you catch that where the robo-ball is like, we have a, our own special planet where we train people to fight the aliens? Yeah. Uh, a planet of misfit races. Right, so now we have, like, all the other races who have been attacked by the Harvesters. We're going to be friends with them, and Brent Spiner's going to shoot them. One thing I just unequivocally liked about this movie was Brent Spiner. He was oh, aw- he's great. He was awesome in this movie from the moment he wakes up to the moment at the end of the movie where he's talking about kicking alien ass. I mean, he has his own fucking laser named after him in this movie. He's not wearing pants in the first scene where he gets out into the. <laughs> oh, he's like scratching his yeah. ass, like yeah, yeah. He he. The first thing he does after he tells his friend that he's fat and bald is check to see if he still has his own hair after he wakes up. <laughs> the but. Uh, Brent Spiner, um, shit. Had a, oh, when he says, when the guy, his, his, uh, his lover there gets shot and is dying, he's like, I'm going to take you to sick bay. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> it's Commander Data. Yeah. And then John Oliver and the African guy shoot all the aliens and go insane. And stabs him in the back. You got, I think you got them all. You got them all. That's what <laughs> You got, yeah, you got to stab him in the back. Cause then he gets the creamy Cadbury center. <laughs> right, because John Oliver, he didn't, he didn't finish the job. He's going to stab him in the back. Yeah. With your, your katana blades. They're just like cheap machetes. I know. That, that was John Oliver's quote, though. He said katana blades. Yeah. I didn't get what that guy's... He was trying to audit Jeff Goldblum's taxes or something like <laughs> Yeah, like... Yeah, I don't some, really get why he was there. I you're mean, under he had, like, an audit director, Levinson. Like, he was just some, like, bureaucratic attache or something to Jeff Goldblum for to, like, make I sure mean, he got back to, like, the propaganda celebration. Fucking, of, like, committed to his job traveling, like, around the world, tracking this one guy down yeah. to audit and ask him, like, a couple questions, like... That's why I didn't get about him, is, like, they're in the middle of, you know, buttfuck Africa, and he gets out of the car, and he's like, oh, where are we? Like, you didn't know when you were tracking down Jeff Goldblum? Like, did you... You still have to fly in somewhere and, right. like, 
<laughs> you weren't just like blindly wandering across three and a half continents or something like that. Like, how did we get into the middle of Africa? Like, um, I don't know, dude. You were there, literally. Like, how did you get into the middle of Africa? <laughs> Actually, you know, I just gotta say, Doctor Oaken is awesome. I hope he's like the main character in the next movie with uh, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> the two of them. Yeah, like because they're the only people in this movie who really like mattered to me. Like that, I gave a damn about what they did. Yeah. So why not make them the stars in the movie? They're both good actors. I kind of liked Bill Pullman still. He's dead now, though. I know, I know. But he had like his rambling, insane speech. And then before that, he had like his half insane speech. Like, I came to give you a warning. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, they'll probably probably have the fighter pilots be main characters in the new movies. Uh, Well, they have to. Because the main were like, when do we leave? Yeah, they, I know. They, they're going to have them, and it will be not very interesting because they'll be training the other races or whatever the fuck they're planning on doing. Maybe they'll meet up with the Navi. Possible. They'll get some unobtainium <laughs> to power their right. ships and stuff. Yeah, the white sphere things. Like, I'm going to teach you how to build interstellar spaceships. Like, didn't we... Isn't that done? No, actually, it isn't done because we. they never show people or humans being outside of, like, Earth direct orbit, being on the moon is, like, the furthest thing. No, like, they had a Saturn base. Yeah, they had bases Oh, the they did have a Saturn system. base. But still, like, interstellar is between, between the stars. stars I know, but it's like, a lot I... further distance between, like, it's so much of a bigger distance between Saturn and here than it is from Saturn to next star. Like, it's... Which is? Light years. But what's the closest star? Alpha Centauri. Yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey. Hey. That's two stars. I think they were just slacking. They were slacking (laughs) because they had 20 years and they adapted to alien technology and all those other ways. They have artificial gravity. They have all this other shit. They they could have interstellar. That's what I was wondering about. They just didn't want to. They have everything else from the aliens. They didn't have wormhole technology. That's what they were saying. That's what he was saying. It's like, oh, hey, there's like wormhole technology in these diagrams. Cool. But that's that's how the the white sphere gets there because it opens the wormhole over the moon and shows up. But that's yeah. never established how the aliens travel. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, they got everything else. They didn't get the aliens' FTL technology. It's just Jeff, kind of a strange omission. Jeff Goldblum's love interest in this movie. <laughs> Who? No explanation of his love interest in this movie. The woman, the photographer lady. Is she a photographer? Yeah, or, or some shit like that. Was or she she's a psychiatrist? in the movie she was a psychiatrist. Yeah. the introduction of the warlord guy? Or did I miss that? She, she was yeah. in the yeah. She's in the she's end. in the whole movie. Uh, oh. But she didn't really do anything. Yeah, she didn't do anything. Uh, she's mentioned as being related to Jeff Goldblum with one line, like "Ah, oh, yeah, she and I go back a ways and stuff." It's like no mention of how. Like whereas in the first movie, there's a backstory between him and whatever her name is, who works in the White House. They were married. They separated or whatever. I think he said that he he fucks this lady at conferences. <laughs> Whatever it didn't, I didn't hear Jeff that. Goldblum conferences, like no, no, like the UN alien conferences. They meet up with each other at conferences. Oh, she had okay. no reason to be in, the movie. in every movie. Jeff Goldblum is a, a failed at marriage, and they just they just fucking lied over the fact that in the end of the first movie, it looked like he had reconciled with his ex wife. And it's just like she's completely gone in this movie. No well, mention of her whatsoever. Well, it's been twenty years. It's like you can, you know, he's reconcile still there. And, and then 
you know, break up with the ex-wife after that. But yeah. to not even mention her, I mean, like, give, like, you know, Will Smith's, like, baby mama, she's a doctor now, and then she still, she, you know, she gets some scenes in the movie. Or... Mom, no. Mom, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she falls into a building. Uh, Let me take my super expensive alien jet fighter to check on my mom, who I know where she is, and she's on the roof. The oh, roof is on fire. Did she get on QQ Messenger? It's like, I'm on the roof. I'm on the roof for the pregnant, or the lady said the baby, Dylan, come rescue us. Okay. Yeah, why didn't he fly down there and grab her? Yeah, why couldn't yeah. he do like a true lies thing and have her on the jet? Yeah, exactly. What an asshole. Arnold did that with 1994 technology. Come on. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, that's my final verdict. I think it's it's... Not as good as the first one, but I think it's it's still as long as you go in with your eyes wide open and you're not expecting more than you're gonna get that you more than you know you're gonna get. I think it's great. Yeah, that's right. As long as your expectations are set extremely low and you realize this is a fucking stupid movie, you'll be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, it was like I'll say it was bad, but it wasn't painful bad. Like some of the movies we've watched, where it's just like it is. It's excruciating to watch every moment of the movie. This movie was like bad. It's like it's a watchable bad movie. If you go in, you know, if you just want to enjoy a bad movie, go and enjoy us. It's enjoyable in that way. IMAX 3D tickets, $17. Do it. Buy your fucking popcorn. Buy your popcorn. Get a couple gallons of liquid butter on it and mix it up with a big stirring spoon. (laughs) And just put... Put your face in the bag. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, Pluto Nash and regularly scheduled programming resumes next week. 